0: Hey, a couple things uh, that I want to let you know about before we jump in. First is that if you need to use the restroom, this is a very important announcement for some of you. If you need to use the restroom, uh, the restrooms in the church building are closed, but there are restrooms available. You can see a a sandwich board sign in this lovely house right over here, and um, they will escort you to the bathroom and show you everything that you need to know. I don't know if they'll actually escort you, but they will help you uh, find the bathroom. Uh, Second thing is that we have one more Sunday here, and then that's it. And I don't know, if you're not on our email newsletter, then maybe you didn't see this, but this is our last Sunday outdoors. And then we move to a new location and we will be indoors. So uh, the property here is uh, this This church has been sold and we're, we're supposed to be out of here soon as well as just weather changing, all of that kind of stuff. So we will be meeting indoors uh, starting the first Sunday in October. I believe it's October 4th and that is at Lamar Street Event Center in Arvada. It's actually really close um, to here, it's not that far. And uh, if you live maybe up north that way, then that's great for you. And if you live further south, then you get to experience what the people that have lived further up north uh, experience. And if you live in the downtown core, everything is close for you. You're able to get north, south, east, west very quickly, and that's what's uh, nice about living here. Okay, so that is next Sunday, is our last Sunday. So if you hate the indoors you've been meaning to come outside, if you've always wanted to do church outside, then you only get one more opportunity. And then after that, we will be meeting indoors. Uh, It's a really cool place. It's like a car museum. So I'm worried a little bit that it might be kind of distracting. There's like a whole wall filled with Harleys. There's all sorts of cool old scooters and old cars. And so it's It's pretty sweet, but um, I don't. Hopefully, everyone will still be able to pay attention to uh, God's word, uh, because that's mainly why we are gathering—not to enjoy beautiful cars. Okay, so that—that's coming up in two weeks from today, and I think that's it. That's—that's the big thing that uh, I want to let you know about. So, would you pray with me as we jump into our sermon today, and let's ask God to speak to us and to work in our hearts and for us to know him in all the ways that he desires for us to know him. Take a moment, maybe just 30 seconds, if you're here or online, and just pray in your own heart, ask God to help you to listen, help you to hear what he has for you today. Father, we thank you that we can be here, that we can worship you. Even as we sang, we need you. God, we need you. We we cannot live life on our own. We cannot uh, do all the things that you've given to us. We can't face our weeks alone. We cannot do the relationships that you have for us alone. We cannot figure out work alone. We cannot even be here today Listening to you alone, Holy Spirit, we need you to open our hearts, to open our minds, to speak to us. And so we ask that you would do that today. God, I pray that you would help me to speak your word, that you would speak to each person that is here, that is online. You know what we need to hear. You desire for us to know you to grow in our love, in our knowledge of you. You desire for our faith to increase. You desire for us to experience you in all the areas of life that we need you. God, you see every heart, every story, every week that is represented here. You know the struggles that people have had and you know the joys that we have had and you care about each of them. And so we ask you, Lord, we we bring our life to you today and we are wanting you to speak to us. And I pray that you would help me do that and I pray that we would all listen and receive what you have, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Well, all, all of us want to grow. All of us want to grow, to mature in our life. We look at stress that we have in life Uh, Maybe that's with school that has now kind of been online and parents are at home, or maybe there's job change, or maybe there's job uncertainty. We look at stresses that we have in life. We look at desires that we have for people to like us, or maybe that's at work, or maybe it's with just kind of people in your life. We, we want to experience people's approval and their affirmation. Maybe it's longing for a relationship that you have, and you want to be acceptable to people. So we have areas that we want to grow, because we look at stresses we have, we look at those impulses that pop up in our heart that lead us to different habits that we don't want to have anymore. We look at uh, maybe the areas that you're worried about right now, certain things where you feel anxiety and you feel like, man, I don't want that to be there anymore. I want to move beyond that. It's all sorts of things for different people here, but there's things that we look at in our life and we say, I want this better. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I don't want this to push me down anymore. I don't want to have sleepless nights about this anymore. I don't want to feel kind of the pain with this anymore. There's ways that we want to grow. And I don't know what that is for you right now, but just think in life, what's hardest for you right now? Where are the areas that you know that you want to make progress in, but maybe there hasn't been as much changes as you either hope or that is needed? We know that if we grow, that life is better. We know that when we grow, maybe stuff around us doesn't change. Your job might not change. You show up tomorrow, it's going to be the same job, the same boss, the same coworkers, the same difficulties, but we can change. We know that stuff around us might not change, but if we can change, if we can grow, things are better, but it's hard. It's hard to grow. If you've ever tried to grow in some way, if you've ever tried to change some habits or feelings, it's hard to do that. Sometimes we don't know where to start. Sometimes we we try to start and then we fail and we try again. Sometimes we're just confused and, and not even sure how to change or what needs to change. Sometimes we're just unmotivated. We see stuff in our life, we see stuff in our relationships. And we kind of know, I wish this was better. I know this should change. But we don't really have the motivation to make it happen. But what if we could? What if we could change? What if we could experience the growth that we want to? What if we could see ourselves actually make progress? That the things that we struggle with, the the habits, the sins, the emotions that are present, what if we could actually experience greater freedom and greater joy in those things? How do we get that? That's what we're gonna talk about today. How do we, how do we get not just inspiration, which oftentimes happens maybe in a church, uh, where you feel kind of a moment of, okay, I'm gonna do this. But that's not what we're after. How do we get not just inspiration, but actual transformation? That leads to our life having deep and lasting change, wherever that is needed for you, whatever areas that maybe even now God is pointing out to you and saying, This is the area that I want you to think about even during this time. So, where does change come from? We've been looking at the book of Proverbs, and we've got one more week in that next week. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that it gives to us for life. And today we're going to look at what it says about the wisdom for change, how it is that we experience deep and lasting change. So where is it that change comes from? How do you think about that right now? When you think about the areas that you want to change in life, how do you think about it now? How do you think about, here's where change is going to come from. Sometimes we think about, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, just changing our circumstances. Sometimes we think, okay, if I change the job, then the emotions that I'm experiencing, the desire for people's affirmation, the frustration, the anxiety, that will go away. If you change the circumstance, maybe if you change the relationship, you're in a relationship now, and if you change that relationship and get a new relationship, maybe they're the problem. And you just need someone that really gets you and really understands you. And, and sometimes there's truth to that. But when we really want to change deep inside of us, if we go to changing the circumstances, that doesn't do it. And sometimes we think, I, again, I just have to work harder at this. Maybe there's certain, maybe you have impatience and maybe you don't like the way that you deal with your kids or maybe you don't like the way you deal with your spouse or maybe you don't like the way you deal with your family and you just kind of make commitments or vows or promises to yourself that, okay, this time it's going to be different. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to do better. And that works for a little bit. And then you go back to the same place and the same things maybe sometimes we think about education, that I just need to learn more. I need to read a book about this or you you get stressed out about something and you say, okay, I just need to read some blogs on how to deal with my anxiety more. I just need to learn and then I'll be different. And all of that stuff has some truth to it. But Proverbs says that if we want to experience change, we need to go deeper than that. Here's what Proverbs says in chapter 4, 23. It says guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Which means that our life flows the source it flows out of our heart. The life that you and I have, the choices that we make, the decisions that we make, the problems that we're struggling with, our life flows out of our hearts. Now, let me just kind of show you all the different things or a sampling of the different things that Proverbs says come from our heart. Because when you think about Proverbs saying all of our life flows from our heart, what does that mean? Here's some examples of things. Proverbs says that our sin comes from our heart. It's not just behavior, it comes from your heart first. Your plans come from your heart. Your words come from your heart. Your emotions come from your heart. Your obedience or lack of obedience comes from your heart. Here's what Proverbs says, 6.14. He always, talking about someone evil, he always plots evil with perversity in his heart. 6.25, don't lust in your heart for her beauty. 12.23, a shrewd person conceals knowledge, but a foolish heart publicizes stupidity. It's kind of a cool phrase. Stop publicizing your stupidity. It's like a good social media phrase that you can use if you're trying to get in a social media argument, which is always wise. 16.9, a person's heart plans his way. So your plans come from your heart. 16.23, the heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. So your heart tells your mouth what to speak. Jesus says the same thing. He says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 10.8, a wise heart accepts commands, but foolish lips will be destroyed. 12.25, anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. 14.30, a tranquil heart is life to the body. If you want to experience Peace, if you want to experience life, even physically. Fourteen thirty-three. Wisdom resides in the heart of the discerning. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from the heart. Fifteen thirteen. A joyful heart makes a face cheerful. So our, even our happiness springs not just from our circumstances, but our heart. But a sad heart produces a broken spirit. Three one. My son. Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Proverbs says that we should guard our heart above all else because it is the source of life. If all of those things, our emotional life, our joy, our sadness, our anxiety, our planning and the decisions and the choices that we're gonna make, our obedience to God, our sin, if all of that stuff comes from the heart, that means it deeply matters. And that means that if you want to experience change in your life, in your relationships, in your planning, in your decision-making, in your emotional world, if you struggle with sorrow or anxiety or fear or acceptance, if you, if you want to obey God more in certain things that you're saying, why do I keep doing this? All of that, Proverb says, your heart is the source of your life. So guard it. It deeply, deeply matters. If there's any hope, for us to grow and change, we need to focus not just on our behaviors, not just on our learning, not just on our circumstances, but on our hearts. What is the heart? Our heart is what we love deeply. Our heart is what we trust deeply. Our heart is what what our fundamental self, when the Bible uses the language of heart, sometimes when we talk about heart, uh, we we kind of mean emotions, but if you see the encompassing things we just included there, it's more than our emotions. It's our minds. It's our emotions. It's, it's really our whole self. When the Bible talks about our heart, it is saying the the center, the core of who you are, what you really love, what you really are building your life on, what you really trust, what you're really committed to, that's your heart, which is why Jesus later says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and he kind of encompasses all that. Jesus says that our sin comes out of our heart because the heart is the core, the center of who you are. It's what you really trust in what you're really committed to, what you really love. That's what the heart is. And whatever that is for us, that's what our life flows from. That's where the plans that you make will come from. That's where your emotional world will come from. Think about this. If your heart is really set, if, if the thing that your heart yourself is really most committed to, if that is money, won't you make decisions for that? Won't you choose jobs based on that? Won't you choose locations based on that? Won't you make sacrifices for that? Whatever we really love, we will choose for, we will sacrifice for, we will build our life around and organize for. Some of you have done a really good job and saved money to buy a house. And so you have said, okay, I am going to, and maybe you're doing this or maybe you have done this, and you've said, I want to buy a house. So what does that mean? Well, it means we need to make certain sacrifices right now. We need to cut this out. We need to make certain sacrifices of what we are going to do right now and what we're not going to do. And because that's kind of the goal that you're set on, so much of life for a while revolves around that. Proverbs is saying our hearts, have fundamental commitments, fundamental loves. Maybe it's just that you want people to like you. Maybe it's acceptance. You want people's approval. And so there's certain things that you choose to do so that people will like you and accept you. And there's certain things you choose not to do. There's certain things that you know that you should do, but you're afraid to do because "Ah, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want people to be upset with me. And you're making choices out of a fundamental commitment for people's acceptance, affirmation. Maybe for some that's, that is a relationship. You just want to be married. You want someone to love you. You want to be in that committed relationship. And so you make choices, maybe even compromises to receive that. Whatever we love, whatever our hearts are committed to, our life flows out of. We make, Proverbs says, plans from it. We we speak about it. We obey or disobey based on that. And ultimately, if that thing that our heart is set on is not God, it leads us away from God. One of the early church kind of fathers, theologians, is a man named Augustine. And he talked about disordered loves, being the key problem, the key problem of where all of our sin comes from and all of our problems in life of the, cho- the habits and the choices that we make, where that comes from is disordered love, that God should be first, that God should be ultimate, but we love other things more than God. We love our families more than God. We love our careers more than God. We love our happiness more than God. We love our acceptance, our comfort, whatever it is, more than God. And our loves are out of order Which, anytime something is out of order of how important it should be, it leads to some sort of pathology. It leads to some sort of problems that we experience. So, what is it for you? What's your heart set on? If someone were to examine your life and say, here's where the choices come from, here's where your here's where your decisions, here's where your speech, here's where, if, if, if you had someone that was able to kind of look at all the data that Proverbs gives us, what is it that your heart is set on? Whatever we love is what we live. Whatever we love is what we will live. And so if we want to change, whatever area that is for us, if we want to experience growth, In whatever area that is for us, Proverbs says we can't just focus on the surface things. You can't just say, I want to be a more patient person. I want a better marriage. You can't just say, I want to spend more time with my kids. You can't just say, I I want to be more kind of level headed at work. I don't want to get so stressed out about things. You can't just work on the surface, you have to get deeper into the roots. Any change that we want to make, we have to get to the heart, what we actually love. If any of you have uh, gardens or maybe just uh, yards and you've got lots of weeds in them and you say, man, I don't want all these weeds, and you just pluck the weeds out, they just come right back unless you get the roots. And so often in our life, we are plucking weeds and we never get down to the roots. And what Proverbs is saying, what God is saying, is he wants to affect all the areas in your life. He wants to help you make better choices. He wants to change the way we speak. He wants to lead our obedience in a better direction. He wants to experience us to experience peace, tranquility in our hearts. He wants us to not be afraid and experience worry and anxiety. He wants to touch every area emotional, physical, relational, spiritual, all of it. And he says, I I wanna deal with all that. I care about all that. So he wants to heal deeply our hearts. What is it that makes heart change difficult though? Because even if we say, okay, yeah, I understand that life flows from my heart. That doesn't just mean that we can kind of flip a switch and our heart is different. What is it that makes heart change difficult? difficult. And, and there's a lot of things that can make heart change difficult, but there's one thing I think in particular that Proverbs points out to us. that's important to think about. Proverbs says, one of the things that will make heart change and thus life change difficult is no one really knows our hearts. Even the people that you love deeply, even the people that you care about deeply, even the person next to you, No one really knows the depths of our hearts. It's hard to have real deep lasting change if it comes from the heart, if in some sense, no one truly knows the depths of our heart. And and listen, you know this. We, We know this because we talk about the need to be more vulnerable because we know that if we are, then someone can really know us and that will lead to some sort of heart change. You know this because if you've ever gotten counseling or therapy or done anything like that, that person is trying to, in some sense, get deeper into some of the heart stuff with you. What all of that is saying is it's hard to actually get into the heart. If at a surface level, people don't know the heart, and so we know we need to be vulnerable, maybe that opens up the heart a little bit more. Maybe counseling or therapy or something can open up the heart a little bit more. But all of that is saying there's, there's these guards around our heart. And if we want deep heart change, it's actually difficult because no one really knows our heart. This is why we say to people, you don't know me. Maybe you don't ever say that to someone, but maybe you've thought it because it's saying, you don't know my heart. You don't know what's going on inside of here. So how can you understand why I do certain things? How can you get the decisions or the choices I make? How can you judge me when you don't know me? Here's what Proverbs says, 14.10. The heart knows its own bitterness. Meaning only you know those things that are really hard for you. Only you know at the deepest level the things that you're really struggling with. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no outsider shares in its joy, which is kind of both ends. It's saying no one really understands at the depth some of the pain you have, and no one understands at the depth some of the joy you have. We try to, that's part of why we try to broadcast it and bring people into it because we're trying to give them a glimmer of our heart. Even when we're, whatever it is we're excited about, a new house or a new child, we try to say, look at this, look, because we're trying to bring some of our joy and bring them into it. But Proverbs says, no one really knows your heart. 14, 13 says, even in laughter, a heart may be sad. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad, which means there can be something underneath that what people see out here, there's laughter. And it doesn't even necessarily mean you're faking it. You're laughing along, but you're deeply grieving. It just means there can still be some deep pain inside of you, even though people just see the outside. But here's the problem. No one truly knows our hearts at the deepest level, even though we try to share, but, but we also don't truly know our hearts. says, all a person's ways seem right to him. We looked at this verse last week. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs hearts. Which is saying, you don't even actually know yourself fully. That the things that you do and the choices that you make and the beliefs that you have and the way that we live, it seems like it's right to us, but only God truly knows and weighs and measures our hearts. You know yourself in some sense better than other people do. You know your heart in some sense better than other people do. But Proverbs is saying, even to ourselves, we don't fully get our hearts. Even to ourselves, we don't fully get our hearts. If the heart is the most important thing for our life, and yet others don't fully know it, And we don't fully know it, it means we can go through our lives blind to the control center of our whole life. We can go through our lives not really knowing what's going on inside of us. And some of you have experienced that, right? You've felt these emotions and these things, and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. I don't even and it's we our hearts are a mix to ourselves. We're like, I don't really even get why I feel this way i'm sad right now i don't even know why i'm sad i said that i don't even know where that came from i made that choice and i'm not even really sure why i made that choice that even our own hearts can be a mix to us can be confusing to us why do i do what i do why do i think what i think or sometimes what this means is we think that we're good we think that our hearts are good, but we don't actually know our hearts. We think we love God. We think we love people, but we don't really know our hearts, which means we need someone that does. And it, it said it in 21:2. the Lord weighs the hearts. And here's how it says it in 1511. Sheol, which is another word for the grave or death or kind of sometimes what's beyond that. And Abaddon, same thing. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. Meaning God sees, God sees, if you want to look at it as in death, God sees death. He sees what's beyond the grave. If you want to look at it from eternity or even judgment standpoint, God, God sees everything going on beyond the grave. God sees everything going on in hell. God sees everything. They lie open before the Lord. What's a mystery to us lies open before the Lord, how much more human hearts? Which is saying, if, if, if this is nothing to God, if the things that are most deeply mysterious to us, you wonder about UFOs, right? Maybe not all of you, but some of you do. You know who you are. You wonder about all sorts of conspiracies and things that seem deep and big and vast, or maybe you just like exploring and you, you love to look at the Grand Canyon or Rocky Mountain National Park or those, or you love to look at the sky and, and those things that are big and kind of vast and unknown. And it says to God, all of that is nothing. It lies open before him. It's like a children's book. It's just ABCs to him. How much more does the human heart lay open before him? It says, which is saying this, One of the difficulties about life change is that it's not just behavior change, circumstance change, learning change, it's heart change. But one of the things difficult about heart change is no one really knows our hearts. We don't even really know our hearts. Therefore, we need someone that does. And it says, God sees our hearts. means, listen, God understands your heart. All the intricacies of your heart, all the weird combination of the way you were raised and the choices you've made and the physical side of things and the emotional side of things and the spiritual side of things, all the mixed motives you have. I was reading a book last night that was talking about this woman and kind of her self-dialogue and it was saying she had four different selves kind of speaking to her like this self of her, which was this and this self of her. And some of you may feel like that, like, yeah, I've got this motive and this thing and this voice and this. God sees all of that, all the things. God sees all the weird cocktail of mixture stuff in your heart. God sees it and understands it. It's not confusing to him. Sometimes we say even to other people, man, I'm, I'm complex. I'm, I'm I'm messed up. God looks at all of that and it's, it's like reading a children's book. It's nothing to him. He totally gets it. He totally gets you. He totally understands every part of you. And it's not just saying he understands it. It's an invitation to bring it to him. To say that the Lord weighs the hearts or to say that our heart is open before the Lord is God's invitation to say, it's clear to me and I want it. Your heart is open before me and I want you to bring it to me. See, maybe sometimes we feel this, if someone really knew the real me, if someone could really see all the crazy stuff mixed up in my heart, they might uh, be a little scared I'll share a little bit, but if someone really knew the depths of me, all those motives, all those things, if that was broadcast, if that was Facebook Live all of a sudden, God says, I see it. I know it. And I don't turn away from you. I invite you. You see, to experience heart change, we need someone that can actually understand our heart and wants our heart. And God's saying, that's him. So where does, heart, where does change come from? Proverbs says, our life flows from our heart. What makes change difficult is the, the mystery or the unknownness of our heart, and yet God fully knows and fully wants it. And then finally, how then do our hearts change? How do they actually change? If the way that change will come to your anxiety, your stress, your relationships, all the plans and decisions, if the way that change comes is through the heart, how, and, and what the heart is, is what we fundamentally love and trust and are committed to, how does that change? How does what you love change? How does what you trust in and are committed to change? How does that change? And here's what Proverbs says. <clears throat> this is from chapter 2, verses one through 10 with a couple dot, dot, dots in the middle, I'm not reading the entire part, but you can read the whole thing yourself. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart, directing your heart to understanding, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, which Proverbs says is the beginning of wisdom, this awe, this worship of God. If you direct your heart, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Proverbs says, if we direct our heart to God, then we will know God, love God, enjoy God, be committed to God, know who he is, and wisdom, the fear of the Lord, knowing him, enjoying him, will enter our heart. If we direct our heart to God as he speaks, his word enters into our heart, and we are changed, which means this. If you want to see your heart changed, it starts with directing your heart to God. Instead of, and whatever you're going through and you, you feel like you want change there, instead of ignoring it and just kind of pushing through, sometimes there's areas that we want to change in life and we say, I don't, I don't really have time to deal with that. And we just kind of push through. Sometimes we medicate those areas in the last couple months, marijuana sales have spiked. I was reading the, the articles. I mean, the record records have been shattered, the Post said. Because one of the ways that we deal with wanting to change and grow is just escaping, not even thinking about it at all. Sometimes we just push through. Sometimes we find ways to escape. Sometimes we just keep telling ourselves we'll do better next time. Proverbs says, if you want to experience change, direct your heart to him, which is to open your heart to him, to bring your full self to him, to say to him, God, I need you. I need your word in me. I will not change if you do not put your word in my heart and I am directing my heart to you to receive. Now, what, what word are we talking about when we say direct your, direct your heart to having his word enter you? What does that mean to, have, to, to direct your heart to have his word get inside of you? You know, you know what happens when we get to the New Testament? It says that Jesus himself is the word of God. Jesus calls himself the word of God. The Bible calls him the word of life, which is exactly what Proverbs was talking about. Hebrews says that God spoke to his people in many ways and at many times, but now he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. And what does that mean, that Jesus is the word of God or that God speaks by his son? Well, sometimes we say something like this, that that actions speak louder than words, which is saying if, if you really want to speak something, show it, do it. If you really want to say you love me, don't just say you love me, but show me you love me. Actions speak louder than words. And God says, when I want you to know and believe and understand, and when I want your heart to get all that I speak, I don't just Say it. I show you. I send my son to show you all that my word is. You want to, you want to know how much I love you? I don't just say, I don't just write a book that says, I love you. 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 I show you. I send my son to come to this world to die for you. I send my son to take on your flesh, to show that I care about the human condition and identify with and empathize with you. You want to know what my compassion is like for what you're struggling with. Jesus shows up and even weeps tears for those that are in sickness and death. You want to know what my power is like. I don't just say it. I show you entering into this world by my son with power over sickness and Satan and death. Sometimes we say these words that a picture speaks a thousand words. And Jesus is called the image of God. He is the full and true image of God. That a picture speaks a thousand words. And God knows this, which is why he doesn't just say it. He shows it. He reveals it. And not just in paintings or, you know, we can look at nature and say, this is beautiful. And we can see something of God, but he gives us his Son. That everything that God wants to speak into your heart, he has done and said in his son. See, what does it mean to direct our heart? And this is where change comes from. What does it mean to direct our heart to receive God's word? It doesn't just mean open up numbers and and read it. It means see who Jesus is because that is God's ultimate and final word to us. And all words that have ever been spoken by God are ultimate and fulfilled in his son. Here's how this changes our heart. Do you want peace? Maybe that's one of the areas you wanna change. You don't wanna be so stressed. You want peace? As you see in Jesus, and let that enter into your heart, a God who is speaking, look how I'm in control of this world. Look how even when everything is chaos, even when everything looks like it's over on the cross, in the moment that looked most chaotic, I'm in control. I'm bringing life out of death. See, God doesn't just say I'm in control of the world. He he shows us and speaks by his son. Look, I always bring life out of death. You, maybe you struggle with guilt or shame for things that you've done or things that you're still doing. God doesn't just write, I forgive you. He speaks by his son coming to this world and bearing our sin on the cross and removing our shame and saying, I forgive you. Look, here it is, my death instead of yours. When we use that on our heart, our heart begins to change when we know him, our heart changes. And Proverbs says, the heart changes by directing it to him, but also by keeping it. Four, three says, your heart must hold on to my words, pay attention to my words. And then in 21, keep them within your heart. See, for many of you, you may be Christians and, and know God's word and even know the things that I've said about here's who Jesus is. But Proverbs says you need to receive these things into your heart and then keep them there. Hold on to them there. When it, that, that's fighting language to say when the stuff that you're struggling with comes up, when the anxiety or the stress or the relationships or the impatience or the work situations or whatever it is comes up, keep that stuff in your heart. Hold it in your heart. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 1, 15. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, exactly what Proverbs says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling? What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? Which is to say, we need our hearts to continually see, to continually be open, to continually hold on to. This is what we need. We all want growth and change. How does that happen? It starts by getting a new heart which means if you're not a Christian, you ask God to give you a new heart, which is one of the promises that he makes. But then for those of us that are, it's by directing our hearts to him over and over and over again in the stuff that you're dealing with and helping each other to do the same. Speaking Jesus into each other's lives. We're gonna take communion. When we take communion, we remember God's words spoken to us in Jesus, his body broken, his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins, for the gift of life with him. He says, even now, as you take communion, open your heart to me, direct your heart to me and let what I have spoken in Jesus enter there and stay there and be kept there. You wanna Change. Our heart has to be affected. You want your heart to be affected? It's gotta be brought to someone that knows it and invites it and speaks into it. So take a moment, pray, receive communion, and then we'll respond in worship.